because the ones that are having success are just busy. They're just active and busy and making sure their process is buttoned down and then their activity levels are where they need to be and the success just follows after it, right? Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. If you haven't done it already, I really think you should check out MarketSmart's new white paper titled Fundraising Automation, the Nonprofit Leader's Guide to Optimizing Operations. Here's why. You probably have plenty of prospects identified, more than enough for each gift officer, But while these folks might have capacity and affinity, according to prospect research, in most cases, they're not ready to meet with your staff. You know this is true when you reach out and they don't engage and answer your calls or emails. That's why you need to read this white paper. It will help you understand how you can warm up your identified prospects so they pre-qualify themselves for your outreach. That way, your staff will stay more focused, working with the major donor prospects who said they are ready while automating cultivation for the rest until they signal that they're ready. Think of it like this. With fundraising automation, you're basically adding a helper to your team who works 24-7 and never takes vacations. One who knows exactly what to say to help people move themselves forward. So they lean in and even raise their hands or set an appointment with a gift officer entirely on their own. This white paper will help you understand how you can deliver this kind of truly donor-centric cultivation automatically, so you won't have to hire more staff. Instead, you'll optimize the great people you've already got and raise more money more efficiently. Download the free white paper on fundraising automation from MarketSmart now at imarketsmart.com slash optimize to learn all you need to know so you can decide whether to build an automated cultivation system on your own or you might want to avoid that headache and get MarketSmart to do it for you in a matter of weeks. Either way, I urge you to check out this free report at imarketsmart.com optimize. One of the most annoying things in podcasting is when you record something only to realize your microphone was not turned on. So I just did that. Here is attempt number two at the episode intro. Uh, welcome back to the One Visit Away podcast. Super excited for our guest today, Mike Rice with Operation Underground Railroad, an amazing organization that many of you have probably heard of. And if not, go check them out, ourrescue.org. Before we get into the conversation, I'm doing a free webinar tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Monday the 13th, uh, it's tomorrow, Tuesday the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. And it is titled, A 60-Minute Guide to Your First Major Gift. I'm going to go over everything you need to know to be able to move forward with confidence and start asking people for money. But uh, I'll leave the link to register for free for that in the description of this podcast episode, and I look forward to seeing you on that webinar. Until then, enjoy this great conversation with Mike Rice. Welcome to the One Visit Away podcast, Mike. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's a it's a pleasure. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. Yeah, so you are with Operation Underground Railroad, uh, super awesome organization. Many of us have heard of it through, like, uh, I think you know, Amazon Prime has done some 
documentary kind of things. That's how I was originally introduced. Amazing organization. But could you give everybody just a little bit of background? Well, I guess start with uh, who you are and your career, because you've had an interesting entrance into this, and then how that kind of feeds into the mission of the organization. Yeah. Well, so I've been... Yeah, so I've been in um, in sales and corporate sales for about seventeen years, and then specifically in insurance. You know, corporate liability, work comp, property risk management, consulting, but it, it sells right. And operation, and I had been doing that for seventeen years. And Operation Underground Railroad was actually a client of mine. So what happened is the same story, you know, CFO from one client gets a job at another company and they they bring you over. So that's what happened. A CFO at a publicly traded company was was offered a job at, at OUR is what we operation underground OUR. And then a couple months later, he's, hey, can you come do an analysis on our business? And I came and did an analysis on the risk management strategy, not to bore everybody with that. But then through that process, they hired me as their as their broker. And then I've known this guy for a long time, but then understanding more and more about OUR, what they do then you know, about a year, a year, you know, over a year ago, they offered me a job. They said, Hey, we're trying to professionalize and make best practice. Our, they, they said a sales team they said it is a, it is a development team, but we want it to be ran like a sales organization because we want it to be organized as a go-to-market strategy. Cause they didn't have one. They were, so a little bit of, to add a little bit of context of OUR, our founder, his name is Tim Ballard. Um, he worked for Homeland Security and the CIA for, for, for over a decade. In this, in, and he led teams to go overseas into different, to different countries to identify American citizens either trafficking individuals for sex work or buying and consuming sex work and he'd go into all over the world and he'd see this horrific plague which is human trafficking but then when they inside of human trafficking there's the sex trafficking so human trafficking consists of forced labor all of the above and then inside of it, there's the sex trafficking portion so human trafficking is like a $150 billion a year industry. It's, it's enormous. And then sex trafficking is, is a big part of that. So Tim and his colleagues in the Homeland Security would be um, fighting that. And he just realized like under the purview of the United States government, he could not help people in that were being caught in sex trafficking if they were outside of the United States government's purview, right? Because they only have so much you know bandwidth that they can do. So it's actually a really cool story that he and his his wife just kind of realized this and they kind of had a a conversation and they made the decision together. And it was, you know, Catherine, his, his wife was, you know, said, was really felt inspired and he did too, that they needed to leave the, the comfort of a United States government job, the pension, all of the above to start operation underground railroad in 2013. So about 10 years ago. So he went off on his own and his his wife to start Operation Underground Railroad to our mission is to save children from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. And that's where he went. He using his contacts overseas, all the knowledge that he gained, pulled one, um, a couple of his closest confidants, talked him into starting this 
non-profit and it's 10 years later we've done a done a lot of good around the world yeah that's amazing and uh man it's it's there's so many things to to discuss here but one thing one thing that comes to my mind is okay well first a question i've seen in various places y'all's website may be operation underground rescue is there what's the what's the discrepancy there so our our tie our our true tie is operation underground railroad and then our rescue we taught you know our rescue is just a boy but it's operation underground railroad and i don't we usually when we talk to donors and they ask about it the name comes Tim Ballard is a historian and he loves history. Mm. He's written various books on history and he's very well educated. Mm. And one of the things he did is he studied, you know, in the abolitionist era, you know, the civil war era, the 1860s about the actual underground railroad and learned about Mm. taking slaves and bringing them into freedom. So he loved that hit that part of history of taking people that were enslaved and then getting them out of slavery and bring them into freedom. He studied a lot about that. And he just felt like this is per, this is what we need to do because this is what we're doing. We are taking, we are identifying people that are truly slaves and bring and giving them, giving them their freedom. That's the, his, the, the use of operation underground railroad. And then the rescue part comes out as, Oh, our, you know, the acronym is, Oh, you are, Oh, you are rescue. So. Okay. Cool. So the the other thing I think of is, I mean, I can't imagine how many people uh, donate to OUR. And I mean, y'all's the the Amazon Prime documentaries, videos, that kind of thing has brought y'all tons of uh, like so many people know about you guys. And my point with all this is, I would imagine if you uh, like if you wouldn't have been chosen for this role and OUR, uh, you know, announced, Hey, we're hiring for this position. There probably would have been a ton of candidates. I mean, people would, people who are working in the nonprofit world would love to have your job at an organization like OUR. Cause it's just so good. The mission's effective. The leader's amazing. Fundraising success is happening. Uh, so that's a pretty cool thing that you, that you wound up in that role when, uh, I imagine it would have been super competitive if it was announced publicly. Yeah, you're, I, I feel very fortunate. You know, I loved my career in, in insurance, you know, 17 years giving the lifestyle to my family. But as you know, having your, your life and fundraising and philanthropic, you know, good. There's just something different about it, right? You're working for an extrinsic value. You're not making as much as you are in the private sector, but you're working for a cause. And the work that we have here with our team is just, you're working for the same goal. The one goal is saving that one child that's being exploited or, or trafficked. And to answer your question, yeah, we, we're super blessed with the amount of support we have from all donors, from what we call our annual donors that give, you know, 25 bucks a month that are part of our abolitionist club to donors that give $250,000 major gift. We have, you know, upwards of, you know, 60 to, depending on the year, you know, 60 to 70,000 um, active, active donors. Most of them are on the smaller end, but you know, it's then stewardshipping them up and through 
and to turn them into major, you know, major gift owners if they're not, if not like that lifeblood of those donors that, you know, give where they can and help sustain us is doesn't go on to unappreciated and unnoticed either. So yeah, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. So what does, uh, what does revenue look like at the organization now? Y'all started 10 years ago and where are y'all now? We have about a $30 million budget right now yeah. for, for our worldwide, our worldwide budget is about 30, 30 million. Yeah. That's amazing. And <clears throat> one of the things I like to think about, so it's easy for somebody to see all success and, you know, somebody watches one of these documentaries. You got Tony Robbins uh, getting people to get involved. He's raising money, that kind of thing. And it's like, man, like, look at them. They're an overnight success kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe from your perspective, but this has been going on for 10 years. And $30 million set, you know, is a lot of money. And it sounds like a lot of money, but it's also. Like if, if you were to think, you know, it's 3 million more every year for a decade, like yeah. that's something you could be like, oh, that, yeah, that, that seems like reasonable, uh, growth af- after dedicated work for a period of time. When I think a lot of people just want to wake up and they're like, yeah, we want to have a $30 million budget <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah. We, you're spot on. We've been, and obviously it was before my time. Um, we've been again, very fortunate to get on the radar of, of people like Tony Robbins, um, Glenn Beck, Candace Owens, and, uh, and various others that see our mission, get exposed to our mission and what we do and see the good that we are able to do and out of their own goodness, you know, promote us, right? I mean, and that that's where if you look at our trajectory, every time we hit a something like that, either Glenn Beck, Tony Robbins, or somebody else, it, it puts us into another another level. So super, super fortunate that way. And to be honest, as you mentioned a couple minutes ago, yeah, there's a lot of people that know about us. But as we start to really focus now, as I mentioned, like really bringing best-in-class standards, you know, a true development team as we go you know, regionally throughout the United States, but then also internationally, it's, it's amazing how many people have no clue who we are. And that's the fun part is it's our name brand recognition, especially outside of the Rocky mountain States is, is not very, not very large. So that's the, that's the exciting part is we've had the success we have, but I keep telling our, 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 our regional directors is like, guys, we've having scratched the surface. We just have to have our activity levels to where they need to be. And the success will come because so many people, once they hear about our mission, what we do, they just, people like, we'd love to help. How can we help? If it's a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars a month, you know, you know, continual giving, if it's major gift, you know, there's so many people out there that haven't heard and we just need to make sure they hear about it. Yeah. Incredible. So one of the things Jerry Panis talks about in the book Mega Gifts, it's about people who have given seven-figure gifts or more, is that they all have great respect and trust for the leader of the organization. Like, people don't give a million dollars if they're just like, well, you know, I don't really like the leader of that place, but they seem to be doing good work. Um, From at least my perspective, Tim seems like someone who inspires great confidence. He walks the walk. Not only is he doing this work, but from, you know, the 
the documentary I saw, like he and his family have even adopted at least one child, two, uh, and like he's the real deal and and getting his hands dirty and like is sometimes at least historically been in positions of potential uh danger that kind of thing how how do you see that playing into you know combined with Jerry Panis's finding that people have this great level of confidence in leaders before they make really significant giving decisions i guess yeah could you talk about that for a minute and how you've seen that play out yeah spot on this organization would not be what it is without without Tim. He is he's exceptionally talented in many different areas. Like he's exceptionally smart. Like I said, he's a historian. He's written several books on Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, the the founding of of America. But he's also an he's also a man of faith. I mean, he is a man of he's deep Christian value, deep Christian roots, and no he is out saving the Lord's children by doing this. And that's his fire, right? I think that's what, what drives him. And you get him in a room with somebody that's interested and they, and, and he just, he can talk forever. And his, just his passion comes through, like you said, because he walks the walk, not only having, you know, uh, two adopted kids, but he's still, and I can't say too much, but if you watch our documentaries, you can see he is in the field more often than he's here. Like it's amazing. Like with his size of his family, he has probably gone like 200 days a year helping, helping people like out in the field, doing what he did and what he did from one founding. He doesn't just hire that. We have the best in class people like doing that as well, running our operations internationally. But Tim is still leading the charge, doing it, identifying what, what he wants to do, what he wants to focus on, letting the other regional directors around the country run their country, run their regions. But Tim is day to day in the weeds, still doing it. And then he has a team behind him running the the business. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That would be a, uh, a, a, <laughs> a very different type of uh, donor experience event. Hey, instead of going to tour our uh, gym that we just built, how about you come with us on this, uh, this mission to rescue these kids and, uh, oh. So we used to we used to do we used to do that. And you see some of the videos shows Tony Robbins on on a mission with us. But since again the the organization evolves, and we realize that's not the best thing that we we can do. We do take donors on aftercare trips, the multiple facets of our mission. You know, international operations, domestic law enforcement. You know, relationship with domestic police officers, um, aftercare. So after we help rescue a child, a survivor, a woman or a child, we 100% of the time have to make sure they have a safe house that they can go to be safe, but to heal in all, in all facets, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And we, we help support those. And we, so we take people, you know, have those type of experiences rather than the downrange operation experiences anymore. So wise wise yeah um man that's incredible we could talk about that kind of aspect of what y'all do all day i think but that's not what we're here for i don't don't yeah yeah if you could uh i guess start off with kind of what's the transition been like for you going from sales to fundraising uh talk about that a little bit and maybe you know what are some of the overlaps you found and what are some of the wow this is really different yeah yeah so 
I'm a big, as I mentioned a couple of times, I'm a big activity based believer. Like I, you know, some of my own development coaches, you know, performance coaches, you know, one of them had the mantra process over outcome, right? Process over outcome. Your process has to be in place and your activity levels have to be in place. So that's in sales and any type of sales, but that's the same here in, in, in fundraising. You talk, you preach about it all the time, the meeting, you know, face-to-face meeting, but you can't, you just can't overstate that. It's the same thing here is we have to have, have be, be act actively outreaching, calling, emailing, setting meetings, but also doing activities. And so that's translated amazingly well. And there's been a direct correlation with our regional developers that are having success right now. And the ones that not, not having success, but the ones that are still finding their way, they just, the ones that are having success are just busy. They're just active and busy and making sure their process is buttoned down and then their activity levels are where they need to be. And the success just follows after it. Right. And then also pipeline management. So you all have your pipeline manager, your top line, which are your suspects that you may not know. They may not know you, but you want to get in front of them. So be it a corporation or an individual major gift owner. And then you have the ones that then you have your suspects, prospects, true opportunities sold, but not the checks, not in the mail. You said, yeah, they've committed, but you got to get that check in the mail and then, and then close check in, in the mail. And that translates perfectly as well, making sure, know your donors are are in that and and as you know as a as a previous donor that starts all over again you give them this you have to give them good stewardship reports they get that roi on on the give but then they go right back up into the prospect to start the the giving journey over again and that's been that's translated very well as you know and likewise the one the one thing that hasn't though is i mean Dealing with, you know, corporations in my previous job and corporate giving here is a little bit more natural for me. There's, there's, there's science and there art. there's art, right? So there's the, the science of it, which is pipeline management, KPIs, activity level. And then there's the art, the art of dealing with a major gift donor. What we call it igniting their fire. You have to ignite their fire. You have to keep the fire lit. You have to ask questions and shut up. You have to get out of your own way. It's the art that we're still, I'm still learning, right? It's the art of, of that, the soft skills, uh, you know, how to get somebody towards them, you know, especially a major, a major gift, identifying how much they can give, not going in with this, identifying how much they give with their parameters are, you know, wealth screening is, is a, is a, is a rough estimate you can't trust. So you learn by trial and error, right? So that's, that's the one thing I've really learned that is that the art is something that um, we're still learning and always will be. For sure. So tell me about the, the igniting the fire thing. Do you, so in the, when you were in insurance sales, were people's fires ever lit or no, was it purely really <laughs> lit? Like the, who, who's the next broker we can fire? Right. I mean, all ROI there's like, you know, you know, costs of money, right? Like costs of financing an insurance program. Like what, you know, what value are you bringing to them? And the other thing with insurance is with corporations, especially public companies, 
they have to renew their insurance every year. It's just something they have to do to stay compliant, to stay, make sure their board of directors are, are covered and their products are covered, their buildings are, are covered, all of the above, their vehicles are covered, but donors don't have to give. And donors can easily find another cause to give to if their fires go out on, on you. Hmm. Yeah. Man, well, I would imagine that's different for so many reasons. I mean, the just even the idea that every time they have to renew, the question comes up in their head, well, who can give us the best rates? is is going to be a yep. a top question. So it's it's interesting me for me what did what did OUR and I'll make you talk about yourself for a minute. What did they see in you when there's lots of other salespeople, lots of other uh lots of other people working in the insurance industry that they could have hired. What did they see in you that made them think this guy could could help ignite fires, even though he's been a provider of uh, primarily focused on, you know, financial value to the organization. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think two things. One is I feel like I, I pride myself on being a man of my word. Right. And so that CFO and I, when he was the CFO of the public company, went through some difficult, difficult times. Like, their company at one point was was a unicorn. It was valued at over a billion dollars, and then some things happened, and it they plummeted. Like it went from a billion dollar valuation to like to like three quarters of the value, like two hundred fifty million. So you can imagine like, they went through some really hard times. So we earned our we earned I earned my stripes with that CFO, like helping him navigate those situations. You know when the, when it really got tough you know, helping them make decisions that help them, you know, financially be able to buy insurance, but understanding I understood the product, understood how to do that. So I think that was one thing. So he, I earned his trust as a, as a, as a consultant or as a, as a, on the other side of things, I earned his trust. So I think, you know, when he suggested me for the job, he knew that I, he was someone that I could, could trust, but also then through the development, through the, sorry, the interview process, um, the CEO, and then my boss, who was the chief um, development officer, asked really good questions as far as like, how would you form a team? What would your expectations of a team be? You know, what makes you successful? And I just essentially told them exactly what I did, told you starting out this call. It's activity-based, it's metric-based, it's, you know, pipeline management and, you know, talking about, you know, process, process over outcome, building the right process, the good foundation. I think through that, they understood that I understood the sales process, the sales cycle, and then also how to, you know, work with other people, earning their trust. And that's where I think that they decided I was a, I was a good fit for it. Yeah. Seemingly random question. Uh, have you had to let anybody go in your, in your time at OUR? At OUR? No, have not okay. had to let anybody go. Okay. The reason I ask Okay, let me ask you another question. Yeah. If you had to let someone go, would it be obvious to all parties involved that they needed to be let go because they weren't, because you've got these metrics and uh, people either do them or they don't do them? Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of 
PPI plan, performance improvement plans. If someone's mm-hmm. struggling and you're going over the data and the metrics, the, it's kind of written on the wall. Then as a right. manager, you just, you have to go sit down with them and have a, have a frank grown up conversation with them and say, Hey, we set expectations, you know, <clears> everybody <throat> has expectations. I have expectations. The development team has expectations and you're just not meeting the expectations and the reason why is a direct correlation to you're just not busy enough. You're not, your yeah. calls are down, your emails are down, your outreach is down, you haven't put on enough events. Thus, you're not getting your face to faces, right? Yeah. Getting your visits. So you're not getting your asks. Right. And then, and then you say, let's, let's, we're going to, so from here on out, we're going to put you on a PPI. And your expectations are going to be, and, just, and then lay out the expectations. They, we're going to visit these this often, and we're going to revisit this in you know six weeks. Now you, you might not have you know the numbers may not be up as far as donation dollars raised or closed, but as long as the phone calls are made, the events are had, and then the the face to faces are had, the funnel's going to fill up, right? It's it's yeah. kind of it's a it's a delay analytics for it's not you know delay analytics what you know you hope you would be in the future predictive you know what's going to happen in the future and you just have that honest conversation with them in six weeks if they haven't been able to do that then that's when they'll even a lot of times in my in previous life they'll know that as well like well it right so yeah 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 and so the reason i bring it up is i think there's there's an idea that like metrics are bad in the major gift world. And I think, I think like stupid metrics are bad, <laughs> but like you've got to have some written down goal of what does success look like at this organization? Cause one of the things I see happen all the time in the, in the nonprofit world is people are failing, but it's not clear. Like nothing's written down as yeah. to what success looks like. And so this person's leader is like, man, this person sucks and they're driving me crazy. And they just like build up this pent up rage towards them until one day they're just like, you're fired. <laughs> and it's like, w- w- like, why, why didn't we? And, and then the person's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm working hard. And it's just like, it's just horrible. And so. But you're spot on. Yeah. You're spot on. And to add to that when you have that P that first PPI with them or that first meeting to set, they're like, Oh, I thought like, I thought everything was great. Right. Like, well, no, cause we've had these meetings and you're obviously your funnel dry. You haven't had, but they just don't sometimes don't see the writing on the wall until you have that PPI with them. Like, look, call. And the other thing I, I'm a proponent of is we set, I, we set the goals. It comes from above, like CEO, CFO says, Hey, we want our budget to be here. Major gifts, needs to be here. Annual giving needs to be here. And then it's fungible. We talk about it. And then we talk about it, you know, as a, as a team, but then I ask them each individually, I want your process. We call it a ghost plan or business plan. It was like, I'm not going to micromanage you to a level of like day to day. Like you're a grown up. I hired you for a reason, but I want you to take some time to define your process business plan goes, whatever you want to call it, you know, with goals, metrics, and then come and tell me what they are. 
And so I can know what you're going to be holding your account yourself accountable to. Now, if I think those are low, then we'll, I'll say, I, I like it. Awesome. But that's bump up here, here, and here. And they, they design their own world because what a miserable place if you, you know, you were told like how to do your job every day in and day out. We, we just say, but then some people sink with that as well. Some people need it, but some people sink. And I'm, I'm more of the vein of on as far as like a VP of development is like they're grown ups. They're talented. We hope to hire the, the best and let them set their own processes. And then I help them from behind. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's what I've always viewed on the subject is like, you got to have metrics, but the people who are going to be held accountable need to have a significant role in like, what are these metrics? And, yeah. you know, they need to have buy-in as well. Otherwise it is just the annoying micromanager. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. So we're coming up on 10 minutes left. Can you, can you share at least one story of when someone's fire was ignited and, uh, a, a significant gift happened. Yeah. So one of the things that we, we have a lot of success in success in is, is, is events. Mm-hmm. Either we'll be invited to like a company event or something like to come and dialogue. So a lot of companies have a corporate mm-hmm. giving and they all do it different ways. But one in specific um, had known us in the past, but then they, they reached out to us and said, Hey, we're doing, I'm doing a, a class conference in cleveland ohio we'd love you guys to come out and we're gonna do we're gonna do a fundraiser charity for you guys and he says we want we've done we've had really a lot of success in the past but i feel like we can do do it better so his fire was already lit it was already lit so but it, it was you know it was there it was on kind of like a pilot light per se so when our regional director of our central region and i went out to cleveland and 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 presented, he presented and I was there, you know, you know, just advising and being there to see him, see him present. He did awesome. But so it did two things. One, it ignited that guy, the guy that put on the event, his fire just through the roof. Right. But then the regional director did such a good job that the, everybody in attendance, their fires all just went, just lit. Out of that one event, given there were hundred some odd people there, and then they did a you know a ball dance and dinner that, that later that night. So you had the speaking engagement, and then kind of like an auction type thing at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. We raised like four hundred, almost four hundred fifty thousand dollars from that one. Dang. <laughs> and that guy is is like our goal. He he is still super engaged. So that, that regional director still works with him and talks to him often. And the guy's is just like, how can I get more involved? What can I do? He had to come to wow. Utah where our headquarters are for a board meeting last year. And he's like, I want to come and tour the, tour the office. So we, I met him there and I, I toured the office with him and our regional director still, you know, he, we were just on, I was on a phone call with the RD today and he's like, yeah, got, got my dates planned to go speak with, you know, with them again here, here and here, just hmm. getting, he wants to be Uber involved. Now and he's just he's just you know his fire's lit and we're now it's our job just to keep you know to keep it lit right yeah that's incredible wow um man that makes me at some point we need to talk about the the idea of uh you know corporate events and speaking opportunities there may be some people I can introduce you to at some point because it's such a 
it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's who wouldn't want to support what y'all are doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that story. What, uh, the other one I'll share is this is some, what I've learned is and the same thing as sales. As long as you're working hard, things just pop up. You just have no idea about, right. Mm-hmm. You're like, Holy crap. Yeah. I came from, yeah. Like no joke. So, you know, we're working hard. Our team, our marketing team, we really work in tandem, right? Cause our marketing team is the new donor, new customer acquisition, new donor, like get the word out, bring awareness to people. And as they come in the door, so they do a great job of that. So there's a local business here in, here in town that has had just crazy success. Um, they're starting to franchise all around the country. They, they make cookies. It's it's called crumb yes. cookies. I don't know if you've heard yes. of out there. Heck yeah, of course. Cookies. And so they knew of us, but you know, through our marketing team getting the word out of success stories of what we've been able to do, just like literally, and then another really big supporter of a of a triathlete named the Iron Cowboy that has done like insane amounts of activity, like a hundred marathon, a hundred Ironmans in a hundred days and stuff like that has supported us before. So those, they in tandem did something unbeknownst to us. Like they did an event like, and we found out about it and we got a call like Tim and Tim and Tim's team got a call just saying, Hey, just FYI, like they just between those two parts. So the, Oh, not crumble. The owners of crumble elected us and went through the, the iron cowboy, Jane Lawrence, like 500 donated combined $500,000 to us in January. Just like, wow, what a great way to kick off the, kick off the but it's like, stuff like you, never wow. know, you never know when stuff's going to happen. And that's why it's super important. Like marketing team, our marketing team is amazing. They do such a good job of telling our story. And that mm-hmm. just, just fuels the development team and makes our job just that much easier and you never know whose fire is going to be lit and how it's going to be lit. And then that, and then, so the, our regional director of Utah has done a phenomenal job with both of those two, you know, people that I mentioned of now, again, putting them back in the funnel, they gave now and stewardshipping, showing the ROI on that, keeping their fire lit and then hoping, you know, building to a, another major gift in the future. So. Wow. That's amazing. Man, we're we're coming up on time here. Is there anything that uh, you wished I would have asked you about, or wish you would have been able to share that we didn't cover? Not, not really. Just you know, the the work of, of, of non nonprofit is, is special. Like I said, it, it's special work. And and thank you, eight, for inviting me on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you. There's not many people that utilize LinkedIn for the way it's supposed to be used. It's mm. more turning into like a Facebook or Instagram you know, platform, but you use it for the way it's supposed to be used. And I thank you mm. for the content that you put on, on LinkedIn. It's, it's insightful. It's very educational. It helps mm. me and I know my team and it, it, it I, you know, it's great. Thank you for that. Just wanted to throw that yeah. out. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And it's, it's fun. The, uh, you know, obviously I do it because I think there's a need for it and, uh, not many people are doing it, but also it allows me to connect with people like you that, uh, otherwise our paths would never cross. So well, I know, I noticed you, uh, you do, um, you, you respond. 
to almost everybody. Do you do you have do you yeah. everybody or all? I mean, it seemed like you were spot on with responding to most most everybody I've seen. I I don't get to everybody. I I try to do my best, but I'm linked. It, it's funny, like LinkedIn for me is I probably only spend twenty minutes a day there. I got like <laughs> a lot of other stuff going on, but I try to make it look like it's it's bigger than it is because you know that's one of the beauties of uh linkedin and podcasting and video and online presence is you can kind of multiply yourself so i don't get to everybody but i try to as much as i can yeah well i yeah i, I appreciate it yeah it's fun so any uh any things you want to promote last couple minutes? Are y'all hiring for any positions that I'm sure everybody listening is like, man, I want to go work there. <laughs> you know, if anybody is interested in, you know, in, in major gift fundraising, of course, reach out to me. I mean, our, you know, as, as our budget goes, as it, you know, goes throughout the year as if we're hitting our quarterly numbers, those, those spots, op- you know, open up. We love keeping a, a list and keeping, I love making relationships with people that may be interested in keeping contact with them so they can a follow our story but if they're interested in it please reach out to me and love to meet whomever it may be so then when the position does open up in in development we have those lists of people we can we can shoot it out to we hope to hire one this this year that's my my goal now talk you know talk to a chief revenue officer and a cfo we just those those visions have to align but that's my goal to to hire one more person this year so Cool. Love it. Well, yeah, everybody go connect with Mike Rice on LinkedIn or uh, find him on the OUR website. I'll put links and stuff in the, the notes section. But Mike, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and look forward to talking soon. Oh, Kevin, appreciate you. Thank you. That was Mike Rice with Operation Underground Railroad. Guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've never paid anything to listen to it, a way you can help me out is going and leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more it's sent to people uh, through Apple's algorithm and placed higher in the rankings. So if you enjoy this podcast, if it's helped you out, please leave a rating and review. It would mean a lot to me and helps the show grow and helps out more gift officers. Again, if you haven't registered, go click the link to register for the free webinar I'm doing February 14th at 11 a.m. Central Time, a 60-minute guide to your first major gift. Uh, Go register for that. And as always, I hope this episode has inspired you to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization.